Hi, this is Eli Nelson, and this is the My City Church Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. It is our prayer that this message will awaken you to come alive in the things of Christ. Enjoy the message. up our hands this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your goodness. God, you are holy, even as some of the songs that we've sang, God. I'll praise because you're sovereign. I'll praise because you reign. I'll praise because you rose and defeated the grave. God, not, not out of any other circumstance. God, I thank you for our amazing team, our worship leaders. God, I thank you for the amazing word that Riley just shared to bless our church with. God, we thank you that our eyes are on you, the perfecter of our faith. God, who for the joy set before him endured the cross scoring in this shame. So I pray right now, Heavenly Father, that we would look forward into what is coming against us. God, and we would know that greater is he that is in us and he that is in the world. As your word says, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. So Lord, we depend on you. We look to you today. We look to you today. God, we're hungry for you. God, would you speak to us today? Amen. How many all ready for the preaching of the word today? Come on, let's go. It's going to be a great morning today. It's going to be a great morning as we go into Christ, our example, part four. How many of y'all have your Bibles? Let me see it. I got my Bible right here on the pulpit. I got my Bible here on the pulpit. Let's open up our Bible. Say, this is my Bible. Say, speak to me, Bible. The Holy Spirit speaks through the word of God. Everyone wants to hear the voice of God, but you're not going to read what he's already said. God's not going to speak to you. You're probably learning to a false, listening to a false spirit. God will speak through the word of God. I believe that the Holy Spirit does speak, but he always speaks to back up his word. So open your Bibles up to Ephesians chapter 3. We are concluding our series, Christ Our Example. How many enjoyed this series so far? Let me hear you today. Great, great. Hey, I'm going to ask that if you have sat down that you'd stand back up in honor of the reading of the word of God today. We're going to be reading out of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. Chapter 3, verse 14. Actually, we're going to start. I, I just texted the team verse 13 today, uh, right before I came out, and they got it on the screen. Because this kind of puts into context what we are talking about today. He says, I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you. Which are, for, which are your glory. Keep in mind, Paul is writing this epistle from prison. And so he's saying to the church at Ephesus, don't be discouraged because of my suffering for you, which are your glory. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you. The Holy Spirit may strengthen you. The presence of God may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Which means it's not from things that are going on around you, but things that are happening within you. I can't be decided by what's going on around me. i got to be decided and predetermined and find my strength by what is already happening inside of me. Can I get an amen? Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Verse 19, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all 
the fullness of God. Say all. Say the. Say fullness of God. Fullness of God. That you would have all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Today I'm going to be talking to you on the topic. If you're taking notes, write this down. It was for my benefit. It was for my benefit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. God, I pray that you would speak through your servant right now, Holy Spirit, that you would rest upon our hearts and minds. Open our eyes that we would see you. God, open our ears that we would hear you. God, we don't want to just go in and out with a good, positive, and encouraging message. Nothing wrong with that, Lord, but we want to encounter the fresh presence and the power of the living God today. So would you breathe upon us right now, Holy Spirit? We're hungry for you. We're hungry for you, God. God, we're so hungry for a word from you. God, I thank you that you speak through your word every single day. And right now, your church is gathering on this rainy Sunday morning in mid-July at Ralston High School. We're calling out to you, God. And even as Paul said through, when you're gathered together in, in the assembly, and the power of the Lord Jesus and the power of the Spirit is there with you. God, we pray that even as we're gathered here together, we thank you that your Spirit and the power of your Spirit is here. So God, I pray that you would transform us today. And right now, church, if you're hungry for the Word of God, would you open up your hands and say these words after me? Say, Lord, speak to me. I'm listening. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Let's put our hands together for the Word of God this morning. Come on. All right, now say your title to your neighbor as you place, as you get back to your seat. Say, it was for my benefit. It was for my benefit. It was for my benefit. What was for my benefit? It was for my benefit. I want to draw your attention back to verse 19. If you have your Bibles, keep them open. Keep them open today. Verse 19. He says, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may filled be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Can I tell you that Paul knew something that we did not quite yet. He says, I pray that you would encounter this love that surpasses knowledge. Paul was in prison at the time of writing this, and he's speaking of a God that loves him even beyond his circumstance, that is in control even beyond what he may see. He's saying that you would know this love that surpasses knowledge. That's two different no's right there. Know this love that surpasses knowledge. Paul knew something that we did not. Okay, all right, I'm just going to move on right there from there. All right, let me ask you this question. Is it possible that there is more of God available to you at this moment? Do you believe that? That there is more of God available to you at this moment? If you believe that, let me see a show of hands. Because no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can comprehend the things that God has prepared for those who love him and called according to his purpose. There is more to God than we know. There is more to God than we have encountered. There's more to God. And if that is true, I want to ask you another question. What is keeping you from grasping the fullness of God today? 
If there's more to God, what is keeping us from grabbing hold of what God has for us today? How many of you want to know more about God? Let me see your hands today. Come on, I want to know more about God. I want to grab hold of all that God has for me. I want to be a person that's walking in the spirit and in truth. I want to be a person that's encountering God on the daily basis. I want to be a person that's walking in the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit. That's the God that I want to know. I don't want to just go through Christianity lukewarm or haphazardly. I don't want to just know Jesus as my Savior. I want to know him as my Lord. I want to walk in strength and in power. And if God has it for me, I want it. Can I get an amen in here today? I want it. Can I tell you that you only really know who someone is, though, when you've encountered them in all environments? Because I can know about someone, but until I've seen them in all environments, do I really know them? Come on, everyone that's dated someone in here today knows that there's a side that people present, and then there's a side that they are. There's a side that people present. There's a side that you see a part of someone. So when you see your future man of God treating his mom with disrespect, it's a warning sign. It's a red flag. Because he may treat you with all the love and and, and adoration because people have a tendency to show certain sides of themselves. And you only really know someone if you've seen them not in their best of days, but in their worst of days. You may think someone is perfect from the outside, which if that is the case and you look at someone and you think that they are perfect, all that really says is that you really just haven't seen them in the wrong environment yet. You experience different sides of people based off of the environment that they are in. Men's conference is a great example There's sides of men that come out at men's conference that it's like, man, didn't know that guy's got some feistiness to him. He's all fine and dandy when he's at church. He's lovey and doving. But when you put a rope in his hand and it's tug of war type time, you see him digging in and you see a different side of Paul, he, Paul. It's like, I've never seen that side of that guy before. You see me in church, but you ain't see me in the gym. Hello. You've seen me in church, but you haven't seen me on the dodgeball court. You've seen me in church, but you haven't seen me on the basketball court. That's because I don't play basketball. You ain't never going to see me on the basketball court. But you've seen certain sides of me based off the environments that you've seen me in. And can I tell you that the same way you cannot know the fullness of someone until you have worked through some things with them, you cannot know certain sides of God until you have walked through things with God. you got to walk through things with God if you want to know certain sides of God. Paul is saying, verse 19, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. What he is saying is he isn't only praying for a revelation. Paul is saying, I'm praying for an encounter. I'm praying that you would know God beyond a level of information, beyond a level of knowledge, but I'm praying that you would encounter the Holy Spirit, that you would encounter the presence of God, that you would experience his goodness, not just by the evidence of what you see right now, but in the character of who he is. 
He's saying that I pray that you would experience this love, that you would be filled with this love that surpasses knowledge, which means it is beyond information. It's a revelation. No, 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 no. It is an encounter. It's not about me just telling you about the goodness of God. You are good. You are good. Oh, oh, you are. I can sing about that all day. But there's a difference between singing about it and encountering about encountering it. There's a difference between proclaiming it and talking about it and a difference between actually experience the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. It's the difference between a revelation and an encounter. It is the difference between something in word and something in deed. See, I'm married. Amen. And I can say to my wife, I can say this. I can say, for better, for worse, for rich or poor, in sickness and in health. But ultimately, until worse comes, you only really know my commitment via the word that I've said and not yet by my deed. Word equals proclamation. There's nothing wrong with word. I believe there's power in word. I believe there's power in proclaimed word. Faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of God. Word equals a proclamation. But write this down. An encounter equals evidence. The blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony, that's how they overcame the devil. There's a testimony that each and every single one of us have. An encounter with the living, breathing power of the Holy Spirit. If you go way back in your life, you might be able to call that out and say, man, I remember that day where I encountered God. Maybe you haven't yet. I can tell you that that day is available to you on a daily basis of encountering the power of God. See, I can know about someone and make a judgment, but until I really know them, my judgment is only as good as the information I have received. So someone can tell me about someone else, and I can make a predetermined judgment about who they are. But until I've actually experienced them and been around them, which I encourage all of you to do, to not make a judgment based off of what someone else has said, but to really experience them, to really encounter them, not just in the best of environments, but try to get around them even in the worst environments. For all the dating relationships in here, try to get around someone in a good environment and try to get around them in a bad environment. You get to see different sides of them. And it's good to be able to see all the sides because now you know what you're saying yes to. So for my wife, my wife only really knows that I love her when the proclamation that I've declared has reached an end point. And now I must show her my heart by my hands, not by my mouth. I can't just say I love her but never give any support to back that up. And can I tell you, just the same way that a, a, a husband shows his love for his spouse, not just by word but also in deed, God shows his power and his grace and his love and his truth to you, not just by word but also by deed. I'm a Bible guy. I love the Word of God. We have a Bible reading plan that we go through on a, a daily basis. You can grab one over at the Connect Corner. I try to be in the Bible on a daily basis. I try to encounter the Word of God on a daily basis. I need the daily bread. If I'm not reading the Bible every day, I'm living my life malnourished. We cannot be malnourished Christians just getting our Word on a Sunday. We got to get it in the daily, the daily bread, every single day getting in the Word of God. All of that is great, but God is also one of deed. And he said he'll send his spirit with power to receive those who are asking for it. He will give to the Holy Spirit. 
Can I tell you and ask you this question? When was the last time you've been wrecked by the power of the Holy Spirit? When was the last time you've encountered the power of the Holy Spirit? When was the last time that the Holy Spirit switch, turned a switch on in your heart and you broke before him and you encountered him in a way? It doesn't just have to be on a Sunday morning. It doesn't just have to be in a conference. It doesn't just have to be wherever you've encountered him before. God wants to show you who he is wherever you're at. In your car, in your bedroom, at your home, in church, at work. I've had encounters with God on a Saturday morning at prayer. I've had encounters with God while assembling doors for a door in for a job in Exarbon. I used to work construction. I used to build glass doors together. And I've had the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, rest on me right in the middle of the shop. When was the last time you've encountered the power? He says, this love that surpasses knowledge which mean I can tell you about it, but there's a certain level of evidence that is beyond comprehension, that is beyond information. See, my wife, when we first started dating, I'm going to share just some examples of, of us and, and our relationship. When we first started dating, um, I assaulted a minor on our first date. Hey, now keep it. I was 19 years old, okay, and this dude was like 18. All right, it's like that doesn't make it any easier, Pastor. All right, okay, so let me explain. We went to Blue Sushi. We then went ice skating at Tranquility on Saturday night. I think it was a Friday night. I can't remember. Friday night, Saturday night. She doesn't know either. It had to be a Saturday night, right? I think it was a Saturday night. And we went to an ice rink, and I'm, I'm like, I'm 19 years old, and we're, we're talking, and I'm smiling. Like, my face hurt because I was smiling so much. Like, in my heart, I'm just like, I love this girl so much, and I didn't share that with her on the first date. Don't do that. <clears throat> A little bit of ma uh, marriage advice right there. Um, but I was just so happy to be in her presence. But there came a moment where we were talking on the bench uh, outside the ice rink, and there was a group of high school. Keep in mind, I'm just out of high school and uh, there was a group of high school um, kids just around there, and they were looking at me talking, and one of these dudes made this very inappropriate sexual gesture behind her back towards me. And in the middle of a conversation, Kelly knew that not only did I love her in word, but I also respected her in deed. And I stood up on, we were in mid-conversation, and I stood up mid-conversation, didn't even look around, didn't consider what was going on. I got up, I walked right past her, and I bench-pressed this dude straight back onto the table. I mean, I full-on bench-pressed him. And he got thrown back, and he's like, come on, bro, relax, it was just a joke. And I said, don't you ever be inappropriate to a woman like that. And all, my, all the ladies said, amen, right? Yeah. And so my wife knew that I loved her, not by my word, but by my deeds. She knew that I protected her, not by my word, but by my deed. I will say that, wife, I'll protect you. But if I don't go around the doors and lock all the doors before we go to bed, it's only a matter of time before that word is tested indeed. Because if I say something, I better be able to back it up. Keanu Reeves once said, when asked the question, are you a lover or a fighter? And he said, I'm a fighter. And the person asking the question said, well, I think it's better to be a lover. And he said, no, 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 hold on a second. I'm a fighter. Because if you don't fight for your love, what kind of love do you have? 
And I was like, Keanu, you're right. And I want to ask you that question. You've heard a lot about the goodness of God in word. But when was the last time you've encountered the goodness of God in deed? See, Paul is praying that we would know this love that surpasses knowledge. It's one thing to hear that God loves you. It's one thing to read in Psalm 103, 11 through 12, that God has thrown your sins as far as the east is from the west. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are your sins as far as the east is from the west. It's one thing to hear that God loves you. It's another thing to experience his love for you. It's one that surpasses knowledge. It's one thing to hear my sins are as far as the east is from the west. It's another thing, like Psalm 34, 8 says, to taste and see that the Lord is good. Because Peter said, you've tasted. Now that you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, you've tasted and seen. There's an encounter. There's an experience that backs up the word of God. The disciples encountered this on Pentecost. Forty days after Jesus ascended on high, the Holy Spirit came in power. There was an encounter with the power of the Holy Spirit, one that wrecked them, that no one could deny, one that gave Peter boldness to stand up in the middle of persecution when they were hiding. It gave him the strength to stand and preach the gospel and call the people to repentance. And there's a strength available for you today through the encounter and the power of the Holy Spirit that is undeniable. A lot of people have encountered other things in life. You've encountered different euphorias through, through maybe gambling and, and through different types of drugs and addictions. But there is an encounter with the Holy Spirit that is incomparable to all the other things the world can bring. The world is going around and they're trying to, to fulfill their lives. They're trying to find this fulfillment. But Paul says, I pray that you would find the fullness of God. The fullness of God. Let me ask you a question that, that's for you to answer to yourself. Do you want the fullness of God? I want you to just ask that in your heart. Do I want the fullness of God? Do I want the fullness of God? It's just a simple question, but there's so much power in it. If you want the fullness of God, then you need to just pray this prayer. God, I want to encounter you. Others have said, God, I want to know you. Paul said, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, taking part in his suffering. So there's a correlation between suffering and power, suffering and knowing. He said, I want to know Christ. It's one thing to know and hear that God loves you. It's another thing to experience his love for you. In my life, I was, uh, I was very depressed back when I was in, in when I was like a sophomore, junior in high school, and, and it was a depression that, that led to suicide. And, and the Holy Spirit was, was actively calling me close, but there was a binding. A, a, I was bound by a sin of pornography and lust, and I could not escape free from it no matter how hard I tried. And that sin led to depression because the devil doesn't want to just keep you locked in sin. He wants to destroy your life. So you shouldn't pity patter if, 
if I can say that word, <laughs> and, and little sins. Oh, it's not that big of a deal. The devil's out to destroy your life, to destroy your marriage, to destroy the power and the works of the Holy Spirit in and through your life. That's why we can't just go through meandering through little sins and be like, oh, it's just, it's just a little bit of stuff, and it's just a little bit of sin. It's just a little bit of that. The devil's like, yeah, just come a little bit closer. Yeah, just come a little bit closer. We can't keep stepping in those things. But just like Jesus said, if I do not wash your feet, I have no part in you. We can try to be holy before the Lord every single day, but there's things where dust gets on our feet, and we got to be able to go to the Lord with a pure heart and out of repentance says, Lord, I got a little bit of dirty again. Not just put up with the dust on your feet. Not just put up with it, but to bring it before the Lord and say, Lord, can you wash my feet again so that you can have full part in me and I can have full part in you. You've got to be able to turn from those things. Don't just be like, ah, oh, it wasn't that big of a deal. No, turn to the Lord out of a pure heart and say, God, I have sinned against you. God, I went a path that I shouldn't have done. God, we've repented from this. Yeah, but it was just a little bit of gossip. It was just a little bit of slander. It was just a little bit of tearing someone else down. It was just a little bit. Of, no one's going to know. I stole it. It's not going to hurt anyone. All it's going to hurt is the government. The government has plenty of money. It's not going to hurt anyone. No, but it hurts your heart and it separates you from God. So you got to be able to just bring it before the Lord and say, God, that was wrong. I turn from it, and I turn to you. This is just basic stuff right there. But I was caught in addiction, and I was caught in depression to the point that I wanted to take my own life. And I can tell you that that was a dark time in my life, December 27th, 2007, where not only did I experience severe depression, but I also experience the power and the fullness of God. Because there's something powerful about in my lowest of moments, when I couldn't get any further, when I thought I was at my wit's end, when I was in the valley of the shadow of death, when I was getting to the point where I knew how I was going to end my life, I'm writing down this letter on how I'm going to end my life, that God finally said these words to me. He said, Eli, give me one more chance. And I didn't have to work my way back to God. I didn't have to repent from all this random stuff that I've done all this in the past. That There was a time to do that. All I did was I raised my hands in my bed and said, I said, God, I need you. And at that moment, God showed up in my lowest of places, and he broke those chains off of me. He broke those addictions off of me. He broke that depression off of me. And I experienced a power and a love like no one could comprehend, like no one could explain, like no amount of writing down on a book could share with you. I encountered a love that surpassed knowledge. But I would not have experienced that without the depression I was in. I'm not saying that you can't encounter the fullness of God without going through stuff. I'm saying that there is a power in what you're going through to seek the Lord in the middle of it that can redeem it. I'm not saying that God brings bad things upon your life so that you can know him more. I'm not saying that God makes these things happen. Why? Because we live in a fallen world. There's sin. There's things going around us on a daily basis, right? Not necessarily. <laughs> not necessarily. The devil's a deceiver, right? And he will try to distract you. 
from the things that God is trying to do in you and say God is trying to uproot, tear you down, destroy you. God doesn't care. And God is up there saying, hey, in this world, you will have trouble. But you can take heart because I have overcome the world. I'm not saying it's all going to be unicorn and rainbows and butterflies. I'm not saying that it's all going to be perfect and dandy. I'm not coming and saying, yeah, God's going to bless your life if you seek him. No, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says in this world you will have trouble, but you can take heart for I've overcome the world. There's a different type of harvest that only happens through pain. There's a different type of strength that you can only find through suffering. There's a different type of power that you can only encounter through pain. Paul's saying there's a different type of love that you can experience beyond knowledge. A revelation that is beyond information. A confidence not based on circumstance, but on character of our God. So I can know God can use all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. I don't know why it happened. I don't know why it happened. But I can tell you, I know the character of who our God is. And it was for our benefit. I have to have that perspective. God calls me to have that perspective. I don't know why it happened. I don't know why the cancer went away and came back. I don't know why he left you. I don't know why she died. I don't know why. I can't tell you why. I can't give you that why. But I know that there is a strength that surpasses circumstance. There's a confidence that surpasses circumstance. That you can have confidence in the Lord and his character. That he will get you through this. Not just getting through it smelling like spoke. But being more than a conqueror for those that are in Christ Jesus. Not just about overcoming. But more than overcoming. I mean, being a person that's standing on the mountaintop, being a person that's standing beyond what I've gone through, to be able to help those who are in the middle of it and say, yeah, I know what you're going through, but though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't have to fear no evil because he's with you. He's with you in the middle of it, and some of you are still going through it, and I'm here as a messenger to tell you today that God is with you in the middle of it. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up on God. Don't continue to make a judgment upon God based off the circumstance and what you've seen with your eyes. See something with your spirit. Paul is in prison, and he's saying not to take heart in his suffering. It was for their glory. He's saying it's for your glory. Because now I'm writing you a letter. I'm in prison, but I'm writing you a letter. The book of Philippians has a lot to share on this, which we don't have time to dive into today. But I need you to know that there can be good in this grave. There can be a miracle in this mess. And we know a God that exchanges beauty for ashes. But you've got to give it to him. When we had Team Rally today, Pastor Tyler shared a word about we're living with open hands and, and about that means that um, you can give things away, but also things that people can take, right? And God's trying to exchange this beauty for ashes, and, but you're holding on to those ashes and you're holding on to that bitterness and you're holding on to that resentment and you're holding on to that difficulty and you're holding on to that hurt. And God's saying, I can't exchange it because you won't give it to me. So you've got to be able to give it to him. I've done this before. This is, how, this is a great illustration. Everyone hold your hand out like this. 
And I want you to squeeze as hard as you can. Squeeze that, squeeze that, squeeze that as hard as you can. Keep squeezing it. I didn't say to stop. Keep squeezing it as hard as you can. And what this means is this is us holding on to every single hurt, every single trial. Keep squeezing as hard as you can. Some of you ain't squeezing as hard as you can. Every single trial, every single disappointment, every single letdown that you have blamed on God. And it's keeping you from receiving the encountering the love of God that surpasses knowledge. Keep squeezing. Are you squeezing? Now I want you to turn your hand over. I want you to let it go. Do you feel that in your wrist and in your hand? That's what your spirit is enduring every day. And you've been carrying that burden, and you haven't casted it on the Lord. As the word says, to cast your cares on him because he cares for you. And some of us go through life and we say, well, I've already done that. But I need to tell you today. That as long as it comes up, you need to keep doing that. Well, I already forgave that person. Do you feel like you need to forgive them again? Forgive them again. Forgiving is, is a choice. Well, if someone sins against you seven times, forgive them and comes and repents. You keep on forgiving them because you can't keep holding on to that resentment. You can't keep hoping on to that difficulty. You can't keep holding on to it. You've got to let it go. I ain't doing that, right? Hey. All right, so I knew a different side of God because of the difficulty I experienced. Psalm 119.71 says this, It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. Sounds a lot like knowing. Does that put a little bit of twist on the trials that you're going through? It was good. Say, it was good. Was it? it doesn't feel good. I'm in the middle of it right now, and it doesn't feel good, God. Pastor Eli, it doesn't feel good. It feels heavy. It feels like hurt. It feels like pain. It feels like trial. It feels like difficulty. It feels like hell. It was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. The difference between it knowing that it is good and feeling that it is not good and is who you learn from. Because if you learn from the Lord, you can look back and see that the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. You can look back and see. You can look back and see how God used it for his good. You can look back and see. And some of y'all have to look back and see that it was good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. The law from your mouth is more precious to me than a thousand pieces of silver and gold. To learn from the Lord, to learn from the Lord is something that surpasses knowledge. There's an encounter that not even the world can take away. And can I tell you today, just because it doesn't look like what you thought it was going to look like, doesn't mean it's bad. It can look different. And someone needs to know this today because I wrote it down last night. The Holy Spirit would not get it off of me. Different can 
be good. Different can be good. But if you keep cursing it, you're not going to see it be good. Because God's trying to do some things in your life, but you're not letting him. It doesn't have to be bad just because it's different. But different will be bad if you stay stuck in what was and what you wanted and you do not live in what is. I know you wanted that person to be married to them your entire life. I know you wanted those children that you've lost. I know you wanted that. It's the difference between living for a moment versus living in the moment. And it's okay to go before the Lord and look back at your past and say, God, that is hard. This is hard. That was hard. It's okay. It's the opposite of what you expected. And that's okay. And you can look at that opposite as being opposing to you and your dreams and your visions and your ambitions. And you can think that you're in opposition all the days of your life. Or you can take a moment and look at those oppositions and say, there's an opportunity here for the Holy Spirit to reveal himself like I would not know otherwise had I not gone through what I've gone through. I'm glad that it happened, Lord. And you can look back in your life and say, God, I'm glad that it happened. This Thursday is, is my wife and I's anniversary. And we'll be married here coming up on 11 years. And some of y'all shouting for that. And some of y'all guys like, <laughs> young, young lean right here, right? He's only been married 11 years. <laughs> it's been great. See, I remember our wedding day like it was yesterday. It was great. Today now, we have four kids, 11 years in. Four amazing kids. Can I tell you, this is great also. Both can be true. Yesterday can be great. Today can be great also. I remember that wedding day because it was a big moment in my life and a big encounter that I had, and those big moments come and go. And it's my fear that a lot of us are living our lives for big moments that we're missing the daily bread. We're living our lives for big encounters with the Lord, and sometimes I preach a message like this, and people are like, yeah, I need a, a, a baptism of fire in the Holy Spirit, and you do. You need an encounter. You need a fresh touch from God. Some people, I need a conference. I need a fresh filling of the power of the Holy Spirit, and you probably do, and that's good to be able to have that. But many of us are living for those big moments and we're missing every single day that God wants to use us and pour himself upon us. See, what we do is we read through the Bible and we read a few stories and chapters of people and in five minutes I can go through an entire person's life. And I can read through the story of Elisha and all the miracles that he did and how he turned to his servant Gehazi and said, Gehazi, don't, don't go off of what you see. I know we're surrounded in this village, but you got to go off of what you see. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would open his eyes, that he would see that greater are those that are for us than those that are against us. And God opens up the servant Gehazi's eyes, and he sees chariots of fire all around the city and the big mountain, and he sees all of a sudden something that he didn't see. He thought he was about to die, but he knew that God was bigger than what was up against him. And he had a different perspective on his circumstance. 
when we go through and we read these people's stories and we see all these highlights, when most of the time, what we're called to is a daily life, a walking with the Lord. He is my daily bread, not my big meal to sustain me for a week. And some of you have been going off of and you've been eating meals weekly and wondering why you feel so empty. You need a daily bread, my friend. Would you stand to your feet? Paul talked about a, a knowledge that surpassed, a love that surpassed knowledge. He encountered God. The Bible's true when it says those that hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. So I wrote this down as we close today. That regardless of what you're going through, you have to have a praise in the future beyond the present. Because you know who God is. And this is what I challenge you with today. And I know to be true. If it's not good yet, by God's standard, then he's not done. So you can praise him in the future knowing that he's working right now. So I don't got to put hope in what I see. I can put hope in who I know. I don't have to go off of what I'm going through. I can go off of the one who is working all things for the good of those who love him. And I can have confidence in that. And I close you with this story, and the only reason this is coming up is because is I read my Bible on a daily basis. And so the Holy Spirit, I try. I miss days all the time, guys. I'm not saying that I read it every single day. Honest pastor here. <laughs> so I was reading through, on Wednesday, we are reading through the story of Hezekiah one of my favorite, most favorite stories in the Bible, and we read now 2 Chronicles. And I shared with them a passage out of Isaiah that the Lord brought back to me, I think because he wanted to share it with you today. And this is the closing verse, Isaiah 38 says, Surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. What happened in Hezekiah's life was he was to the point of death. And Isaiah went up to him and said, Hezekiah, put your house in order for you're gonna die. What we find is that he called out to the Lord, and the Lord reversed his decision, brought a shadow back 10 steps, and Hezekiah had 15 more years added to his life. And now he's looking in retrospect and saying those words, surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. In your love, you kept me from the pit of destruction. You have not put all my sins behind your back, for the grave cannot praise you. Death cannot sing your praise. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your faithfulness. The living, the living, they praise you. Oh, God, Pastor, I don't got anything to praise God for. You got breath in your lungs. Let's start there. Put your hand on your chest real quick. Feel that? It's your heartbeat. It's called your purpose. You're not dead. God's not done. Hezekiah is saying the living praise you. 
you can't find anything to praise God about, you're alive. He gave you life. Give him back what his. If we don't praise him, he says the rocks will cry out. The living, they praise you, as I am doing today. Parents tell their children about your faithfulness. The Lord will save me, and we will sing with stringed instruments all the days of our lives in the temple of the Lord. These are instruments that we're praising the Lord with. You know what your vocal things are called? It's called your vocal cords. Those are stringed instruments. Your cords are meant to praise the Lord. So I don't know what you've gone through. I don't know what you're going through. But I can tell you, regardless of what you're in right now, you're still alive and God is worthy of your praise. Amen? Do you believe that today? So let, let, let's let a declaration out of our mouth today that you are good. Kaylee, take us into that. You're good. You're good. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If this message encouraged you, help us get the word out. Consider sharing it with a friend, rating, or subscribing. If you want to know more about our church, check out our website at mycitychurch.cc or our Instagram at mycitycentral. We look forward to sharing another encouraging word with you next week. God bless.